Thank you for joining us here on the Radio Bible Course. Today we're going to study what some people have called the shortest description of the life of Jesus Christ. It's in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, and it begins with, But the fruit of the Spirit is. And following in the next couple of verses are nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to the verse. But the fruit of the Spirit, in contrast to what Paul has been writing about, the works of the flesh, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul appears to be making a point as he writes verse 22. It's a point of contrast with the works of the flesh, or works that flow from our desires. They are the result of our cravings. But the contrast here is fruit in the same person accomplished by the Spirit of Christ who is given to every believer and who lives in every believer. God wants to do something in us. God wants to be more than a fire escape for you from hell. God wants to do something in you. And he writes in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. I think we often forget that God wants to do something with us. He hasn't abandoned us and hopes we turn out uh, well. He is working in us by his Spirit. Now, these nine elements of Christian character listed here in verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5 are not the result of you working at it. These things come only through yielding to God's desires. Now, I'm quite fond of a note in the Schofield Bible listed on page 1233 of the old Schofield Bible. Listen to it. Christian character is not mere moral or legal correctness, but the possession and manifestation of the graces in verses 22 and 23. Taken together, they present a moral portrait of Christ and may be understood as the Apostle's explanation of Galatians 2.20, which reads, Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Jesus told his disciples in John 15.4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, as the life of the vine flows through the branches, so is Christ's life flowing in the believer to produce fruit, fruit like Christ. Now, that life within us is the spirit, of course. Now, the list begins with love. What is love? Well, it's not a feeling, nor is it an emotion, nor is it a verbal expression. 
Love is a commitment in the Bible. There are four Greek words for love. The one heading this list is agapao, the same word used in reference to God's love for mankind. There is another love in the meaning brotherly affection, but agapao love is characterized by incredible sacrifice. In the New Testament, this word means doing good for another at a great cost. Some people are looking for love, but Christians are told to give love. Our message to the world is not our love. Our message is the good news resulting from God's love, as expressed in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I talk a good deal about love because that's the only commandment given to the church, that we love one another as Christ loved us. And he said, This is how men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, some people have twisted that all out of proportion and believe that they'll get to heaven if they love. Love is a work, and works do not save. We are saved by the grace of God. It's unmerited. So while you may say that keeping the Ten Commandments and keeping the law won't save you, you may be deceiving yourself into thinking that if you love everybody, then you will be saved. Now let's analyze this verse, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What's the source of love? God is. And what's its object? Us, man. God shows his love for us. What kind of man? Sinful man, it says. For it says, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, you see, God's love focused its complete interest on its object without regard for merit. Now, this is further explained in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. John writes, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, a man may reason from this passage that he is God, but we are mortals. How can we so love others as God loved us? We can't. This is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Paul here is not telling the Galatians to try to drum up love for one another. He is teaching them that the Spirit wants to bear this kind of fruit in their life. God sent the Spirit to live in them when they believed, and this epistle has taught us, through love, be servants of one another. Now, love is never concerned with self. It aims at others. Love is not words, and here's where many people misunderstand. Some people believe that by telling people that they love them, that they are fulfilling what the Bible commands. Love is not words in the Bible. It is deeds. The Bible never urges us to tell someone that we love them. Matter of fact, it warns against that. You see, the word love is a show-me 
word. It calls for a demonstration, not a proclamation. Notice how practical the Apostle John is in his first epistle, chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. By this we know love, that he lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. You see, there were people in that first century, and John knew there were such people, who went about talking love. But they were not showing love, and so the warning is so appropriate. Don't love in word or speech. If we would love the strangers who visit our meetings by a genuine welcome, there would be little need to tell them that we love them as they leave our meeting. Let's show people that we love them, and if you can't show them, don't say it. Now, I have often said to people, don't tell me that you love me. Demonstrate it instead with kindness, with good deeds. That's far more meaningful than hearing the words, I love you. Now, let me qualify this. There's nothing wrong with expressing love by word, but there is something very wrong when we need to tell people that we love them because we have not shown them love. When the people of the world are asked to describe a Christian, which of these will they mention? Will they say, well, a Christian is a person who goes to church or reads the Bible or they don't drink or smoke or they don't dance or they tithe or they love one another? From my experience, I have learned that people rarely say that a Christian is a person who loves everybody. They think Christians are people who go to meetings and who don't do certain things. What did our Lord say about this? He said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now that's so important that we can't overemphasize it. Love is what Christianity is all about. Love for the brethren, love in the church, love for the young Christians so that we build them up, love for the older Christians so that we show respect for them. Love for the leaders so that we honor them. This is a family in Christ. And this is a family of brothers and sisters in the faith where we acknowledge that no one is any better than anyone else. Our problem is we forget that and we begin fighting for principles or practices and we denounce others in the process. Love did not come into the world with the Christian faith. It was a part of the Old Testament law. Deuteronomy expressed it this way, Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus explained that on this commandment hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if they missed that point of the law, they were total failures as God's children regardless of what else they did. It is a sobering thought to realize that regardless of what I do, if I have not loved the brethren, 
I have failed as a Christian, and God is not pleased with me when that happens. And this makes us understand the seriousness of what Jesus said when he gave a new commandment. He repeated the one that was most important in the Old Testament and gave it to his disciples for the church in the New Testament. One new commandment is all he gave the church. I want to take us back to chapter 5 while we're talking about love because Paul said something we should not forget. He said in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. So love is a serving quality. When we love, we help other people. And then he added, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, because of what is written here and what is repeated in other places in the New Testament, we ought to be concerned about people who emphasize the Ten Commandments, but not this commandment, to love one another. Well, God has shown his love to us, and we can show that we are his children by loving one another. The most important epistle in the New Testament, according to the famous Martin Luther, is the Epistle to the Galatians. Well, we've been teaching Galatians here for a number of weeks, and all of these teachings are available on cassette tape for your purchase. Our teaching tape brochure will tell you how to order. Send for a copy today. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.